When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hi, I'm John McEnroe. I'm Bjorn Borg. This is Martina Navratilova. I'm Mats Wilander. I'm Stan Wawrinka. I'm Leighton Hewitt. I'm Andy Murray. And you're listening to The Tennis Podcast. Well, hello and welcome to the Tennis Podcast, brought to you in association with The Telegraph, represented by Simon Briggs across the table from me, and uh, Eurosports, represented by Catherine Whittaker, who is sitting in front of a, a little glass of wine, and I'm having a sandwich. And the reason we're doing all of this is because the tennis is over for the day on semi-finals day, or at least three of the semi-finals have come and gone, and they have resulted in Simona Halep winning an epic, an extraordinary match in which match points were saved on either side against uh, Angelique Kerber and Caroline Wozniacki through to her first ever final at the Australian Open. And we've just had Kyle Edmund against Marin Cilic, and it ended with a straight sets win for Marin Cilic. And so we're going to talk about all this um, with Catherine and Simon. But what did you make of uh, the performance of Kyle Edmund today? He had uh, a tie break in the second set, but got injured pretty early on in it, I thought. Yeah, well, I think we are waiting. In fact, we've just had an announcement to say he's uh, going to be a little bit delayed coming into press. I think until we've heard from him and heard him explain how um, hampered he was physically, um, it's difficult to know. I mean, there's no doubt he didn't play well tonight. He, he didn't um, lay an egg, is what the expression that John McEnroe used in our preview piece with him live on Eurosport. Uh, John McEnroe well, said... Did expect uh, him to lay an egg? He said he's just going to make sure he doesn't go out and lay an egg out there, which I right. think means, you know, disgrace yourself. Not show up. Not show basically. up. I don't think that happened. I just don't think he played particularly well. Um, he wasn't able to put the venom on his forehand, which is necessary for him to, to have a chance in matches like this. And he wasn't able to move quite as well as usual, particularly, um, yeah, after... I don't, was it the end of the first set when he seemed to, to drop off considerably physically? But Marin Cilic was brilliant. He really, he really good, was, was brilliant. Good. And um, I'm a bit annoyed that we're left in another situation where we don't know how much physical impediment is a factor in the match. And I suspect Kyle will give a bit away, but he might not be entirely... Um, Frank for Frank for sportsmanship-based reasons about how hampered he was tonight. Because it's generally speaking, not the done thing. And I just, you know, I, d- I don't want to be talking about. I don't want to be speculating about injury in, in these matches because 
because Marin Cilic was brilliant and those are the facts. That's what we should yeah, remember, well, really. he was brilliant, but there was something up with him. There was, just like, you know, there was when Marin Cilic beat Rafa Nadal, but Paul Marin yeah. Cilic, that there's another, yeah. you know, um, there's another clause after Nobody after says that about when Marin Cilic beat or lost to... Roger Federer in the Wimbledon final, but do they? They just say, no. "Oh, isn't Roger Federer yeah. magnificent?" What do you think Quite about right. it, Simon? Well, I've been down in the tunnel talking to uh, Fiddy Rosengren, the coach, and uh, Lawrence Frankopan, the agent, and James Trotman from the sort of LTA side of the operation. And I think they were all agreed that there's something going on, but none of them really know either. Or if they do, they're not uh, prepared to talk about it openly. Um, Fiddy was still saying that he hopes that Kyle will be uh, able to play Davis Cup, which is going to be the next uh, theoretical appointment on his calendar. Uh, although, I've got to say, I do have doubts about that. I think we could see the two lefties in combination, Liam Brody and Cameron Norrie, up against the might of Spain on clay. But that's for a conversation for another day. In the meantime, yeah, I mean, I didn't think he... He looked good from the end of the first set, really. He wasn't moving with much explosivity. One thing I noticed is that he barely hit a forehand in the first set, and that wasn't because he was injured then, I don't think. That was because Chilich was hitting so hard and flat into Kyle's backhand. He didn't have time to run around and get the forehands away. So Chilich was so good in the first set that Kyle, uh, he never got a chance to hit an attacking forehand, and that was um, why he lost at 6-2, and then physically, I think he kind of went to bits, really. And, and he just we playing against Chilich in that kind of form. You can't do it on uh, sort of three-quarter speed movement, do you? You've got, to, you've got to be absolutely explosive to get your record on those serves and, and to run around the occasional ball when it's homing in on your backhand wing all the time. The one, the one time when he started to inflict a bit of damage was when he lost his temper. And, and I mean, I've never seen him lose his temper before. And it, it was to do with an overall that was was replayed and uh, or not replayed, which he thought should have been. And he really got angry with uh, with John Blom, the umpire. Demanded the referee come out, and that was quite a, a break in play. And then suddenly he smoked the one forehand of the match that had us almost ducking in our commentary box because you could see the venom in him, the anger in him. Yeah, and it had the element of surprise for Chilich because, and it made you realise in that moment how how much venom he hadn't been putting on the forehand up until that point. I know that was a particularly exceptional one, but it was so much bigger than anything else he'd produced. It really made you go, OK, Carl, that's what you need to, that's what you you need to do now. Often? And then... It didn't fade away, but he just, I don't know. You're right, he did a great job of um, of keeping it on the backhand and, and I think without question the not being able to run around his backhand onto the forehand wing was a big factor. But why doesn't... Um, why is Hawkeye not employed in those instances? I'm not suggesting that, that had a, an impact on the overall outcome of the match. I, I don't. But it does seem silly in, in, in an age of technology and in an era of tennis when we've accepted the use of technology um, that it's not being used in those sorts of instance, instances. I mean, maybe there'd have to be a slightly more advanced layer of the technology, a Snicko-type thing like they use in, in cricket because it's all about when the vocal call of out came and whether it affects the uh, the person's shot making the fact that they missed the ball but surely yeah, technology exists I agree. To, to, to use they certainly could do something about that but that having been said and we had Andy Roddick on the show a few years ago saying Hawkeye's great but we should get rid of it and because you would have lost that moment that moment where Carl Edmund revealed 
a side to his personality that I barely knew existed. He he did though in his very polite McEnroe moment. He did use the word rubbish, which I've never heard used on a tennis court before, and I thought that was magnificent. Well, you mentioned that beforehand, and actually, Chilich talked about it quite a lot, didn't he? In the, in the, in the post-match on-court interview with Courier, he, he kept on saying he unfurled a, a forehand, or, or I can't remember what the verb he used, um, or he opened up his forehand or something, and it obviously preyed on his mind. It's, it's fascinating the psycholo- psychological effect that shot has had on people throughout this tournament. That it's just kind of made their eyes widen and their kind of their, their, their stomachs kind of tighten up when, when he just unloads on one. It's almost it only wins one point, but it's like a it's like a real right hook to the to the the jawbone, isn't it? When he does get one of those in and. and Chilich talked about the fact that he didn't have too many more after that, I think. Didn't he mention that in the on-court interview? So it's amazing. that You think that these shots, actually, what we don't realise is how much more value that they, than they, ha- that they have than the individual points they win. Yeah. There was one moment that I think was a real punch to the guts for, for Edmund t- tonight. It was during the tie-break when he was 4-3 behind and there was an overall which went against him and it ended up levelling the, the tie-break up. And he, he lost out on that and you could see him just chastising his bad luck because of that moment. Yeah, I mean, he, he, the ball landed on the baseline, didn't it? So he wasn't, he wasn't on top in the rally, but the point was he'd actually got the serve back. It was a Chilich serve point and that meant that Chilich had another serve. I don't think he got the next return back, because I remember. So, yeah, that was a bit of a swing against him and, uh, yeah, one of those nights, really. I guess he was probably due... Uh, a night when things went against him. He had had a few nights when they went for him, but made his own luck, really, during the fortnight. And uh, despite it being a disappointing outcome, we've got to just remember how, how much good he's done for British tennis and, and not from a very selfish perspective, how much great copy he's given us over the last 12 days. Yeah, commensurate with probably both Kyle Edmonds' mood and uh, Marin Cilic's level of play tonight, there does appear to be a lightning storm happening over the city of Melbourne. Yeah, the, the, the screen over there is showing a wide shot of the Rod Laver Arena and the city of Melbourne with lightning cracking overhead. So wow. take cover. Well, I mean, we are under cover, but let's <laughs> definitely stay here. Yes. Yeah, there it goes. Yeah. Big it's, purple um, sky. It's going to be an event for walkout, isn't <laughs> yeah, it? Um, yes, it is. Uh, so what, what do you think the paper will look like tomorrow? I mean, as, we, as we speak to you now, it's kind of lunchtime, UK time, so you've got the rest of the day UK time, I suppose, to, to prepare what you're going to write, and, and, and etc. What, what is your overall takeaway from it? Simon? Yeah, I think it'll, it'll come back a bit. If, if he'd won, obviously, it would have been another four pages and another 5am finish for me, uh, as, it, as it is. Uh, it'll come back to a page probably and uh, we'll have a report on the quotes piece and five things that you can work on and uh, you know Rosengren definitely says that uh, there's plenty of room for improvement still I think uh, coaches always say that don't they but, uh, but I believe he in particular really doesn't believe in any kind of perfection not even relative perfection to the individual he's I mean I know that sounds kind of trite and probably like most people would say but apparently he really really is a big believer in hammering that home and he's 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 again this is going to sound sort of like a coach cliche but he's he's not about results he's about performances there are a couple of performances of Carl's this week that he really wasn't happy with um and there are a couple that he was absolutely over the moon with and it's very much about the performance and and the way he carries himself on the court and um yeah the the overall picture rather than 
what the score looks like at the end of the match. Yeah. Pat Cashford still reckons that he's going to be a top 10 player. That's what he said to us in the Five Live Contra box eventually. Mm. Um, and and he did draw attention to something I think we've, we've commented on before, that perhaps grass is going to be his biggest challenge in Yeah, a way. totally. I mean, although he did, he did have a Wimbledon junior semi-final, we were reminded uh, today because Aidan McHugh made the... Uh, the semi-final here, the, the Scottish uh, 17-year-old, and uh, it's the first time we've had a boy in the semi-finals of the junior event of the Slam since Kyle in 2013 at Wimbledon. So How that's, did he that's look? his best result at uh, Wimbledon. Aidan McHugh looked, looked excellent. Yeah, he was playing um, the wonderfully named Rinky Hin- Hijiwata, something like that. Hijikata. Yeah. Right. Sorry. Uh, um, I'm struggling with that name, but it was a, it was a good match. Um, McHugh is five foot nine. Uh, he played a six foot nine inch uh, server earlier in the week, which was extraordinary contrast. Hijikata um, uh, actually much more his size. Um, quite a stylish match. Hijikata played a wonderful saber at one point uh, and totally hit a winner on the half volley off, off, a, off, a, off a McHugh serve. And apart from that, McHugh volleyed well, lovely forehand. A uh, stylish player, uh, lots going on, lots, lots of uh, personality. So yeah, he seems like a, an excellent one for the future. And a member of the Andy Murray stable, of yes. course, the Andy Murray sort of management um, mentoring yeah. stable. No, he 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 seems great to me. Through to the semi final, that's, that's a pretty pretty big deal, isn't it? And uh, talking of things that are pretty big deal, it's a pretty big deal that you haven't actually ultimately had to sue the tennis gods which you, you were threatening <laughs> gonna, to do at one stage. I was going to say I feel like we should probably just put out a disclaimer and remind people that we are British and that's the only editorial reason that we have led on uh, the Chilich Edmund match because all other things be equal we should be leading on on Halep Kerr because that's the story yeah. of the day the match of the day the result of the day the quotes of the day coming uh, subsequent to that match 9-7 in the third um a win for Simona Halep. I mean, it kind of had everything, didn't it? it? I went through every emotion because I thought it was going to be an absolute damp squib. Well, it was five love <laughs> after 13 minutes to, to Simona Halep. Eight minutes later, it was 5-3, and then it was 6-3. And then she went to break up in the in the, the second set. And, I mean, she was, she was playing very well. So for some reason, Angelique Kerber couldn't really find her game. They certainly couldn't play well at the same time for the first two and a bit sets. But then Kerber levelled, and then all hell broke loose. I mean, that third set was one of the most dramatic sets I've ever seen. Both players having match points. Rallies that looked like they'd ended about four times each, and they were still digging balls out the corners and, and moonballing back and then driving. I mean, you know, you've got like the Halep driven backhand down the line, replied with the, with the, the Kerber sort of squat game, then she's wellying her own forehand down the line. I mean, it, it had everything. It really did. And then I think it was 40-15 Kerber match points, and it, it really looked over. Uh, and somehow Halep managed to win it from there. Yeah, I could watch that tennis match as every tennis match for the rest of my life, I think. Maybe minus the first 20 minutes, as good as Halep was. You know, it wasn't. It was the contest of it which made it... Um, brilliant today I loved the quote from Halep on the court after she said I'm really proud of myself today she said I'm going to let myself be proud of myself Um, and I love that and then a quote from Kerber in her press conference afterwards saying I'm back I know that I'm back Um, you know regardless of the result today and and the the 
the, the million things that that one line tells you about her experience of last year and how different she feels now. Um, you know, it's only 12 months ago that that she was seemed like a completely different human being and Crazy. yeah it, it i loved everything about that final set of, i mean the final sort of two hours of it really but everything about it was an absolute treat it made it for a bit of a strange day in a way didn't it because we were obviously waiting for the kyle edmund match from a british perspective in as much as that's what our work had to focus on and yet at the same time you had got one of the great contests going on and and also so much at stake you know you as, as Catherine mentioned you've got Kerber finally refining her form rediscovering a love for the game I think and you've got Halep who's never won a slam you've got Wozniak who's never won a slam now the world number one ranking is basically going to be decided in the final quite quite something and you're gonna have number one against number two for the first time in a long time I think um, women's yeah. tennis and you've got the potential for somebody to win a grandson title having come from match point down in two separate previous matches, which we think Simon hasn't been done before. Twitter tells us hasn't been done before. Yeah, there's a non-official chart of uh, players who've come back from match point to win slams, and nobody on there has done it twice in a in the same tournament. I'm just cheesed off because I thought for a minute that that I, I actually predicted something right and that Kerber was going to be in the final. And when she saved two match points and then had two match points, I was uh, we're getting ready to start applauding. Um, because I've never got a prediction right in, in my life. And David had Julia Gerges in the final. I feel like this is a good moment to point Simona that out. Halep winning so the title. I'm sorry. I got it. So, yeah, <laughs> let's rub well. it in. <laughs> Brilliant. Uh, but I, do think, I was trying to help there, Simon. I'm sorry. I do think that, uh, once again, the women's tournament overall has been better than the men's. Uh, if you take out the, 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 the British... Bias. I'm not sure I agree with that. Um, I actually think on, on, I expected so many matches to be great on the women's side that didn't end up being... Su Wei against Kerber. Yeah. Hang on, there have been an equal number of surprises, though. Fett against Wozniacki, Davis against Hallett. Yeah, it's many disappointments. I know Keyes Kerber was scripts. a disappointment. Pliskova Hallett was a disappointment. There are always damp squibs. Mm. There have been some fantastic surprises as well. Uh, do you know, I actually think part of the part of the problem is the scheduling. In as, in that, the matches that I really remember are the ones that were given this prime time billing of Dimitrov Kyrgios and uh, you know Chung against um, yep. Djokovic and, and all this sort of thing. And so you know, yes, you, I think you're right. Point. I mean, Wozniacki, Carlos Suarez, Navarro was an absolute classic mm. and. The deciding set of that, Suarez Navarro yeah. saving uh, match point in the second set, and the deciding set it was played at one o'clock in the morning, and that's pretty unacceptable for a women's quarterfinal, really. Um, I know a certain quantity, a certain amount of that is out of organisers' hands, but there are ways of making sure that two elite level athletes aren't playing an absolutely corking match with nobody watching at one o'clock in the morning yeah listen i've got a I, I think we're going back into an era of, of uh, you know like we had in the early 2000s of, of great women's champions who and they haven't got to that status yet but i think they're going to i hope so i hope so listen i've got to go and interview marin Cilic. you guys have got to go and interview carl edmund let's reconvene in a minute when you're ready to pop the question the last thing you want to do is second guess the ring at BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. 
That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Flexibility is great. That's why there's yoga. Flexibility for your insurance coverage is great, too. That's why there's United Healthcare Insurance Plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, United Healthcare Insurance Plans offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. One of these plans may be right for you if you're, say, between jobs, coming off your parents' plan, turning a side hustle into a full hustle, or even missed open enrollment. Want more flexibility? Find out more about United Healthcare Insurance Plans at UH1.com. Hello, Tennis Podcast listeners. David here. Now, you might know that I love a bit of cooking. And I think I'm quite good at it. But if I'm honest, even I get fed up trying to work out what to do every night. That's where Home Chef comes in. Being able to put together a delicious meal without the long prep and the cook times, well, that's pretty cool. Home Chef provides fresh ingredients and chef-designed recipes conveniently delivered to your doorstep to simplify your cooking experience. They have over 30 options a week and serve a variety of dietary needs so you don't have to worry about what to make ahead of time. Not only is it convenient, but it's economical too. Home Chef customers save an average of $86 per month on groceries. Now, for a limited time, Home Chef is offering tennis podcast listeners 18 free meals plus free dessert for life and, of course, free shipping on your very first box. Go to homechef.com slash tennis. That's homechef.com slash tennis for 18 free meals and free dessert for life. You heard it right. So I've just been speaking to Marin Cilic, you've just been speaking to Kyle Edmund, and uh, I imagine in rather different frames of mind. Kyle, uh, Marin Cilic was delighted. Yeah, uh, yeah, I should think so too. Um, yes, I mean, Kyle Edmund wasn't delighted, but do you know what? He was, he was as charming just now in his press conference and in his interview with me and with, with Russell for BBC Radio as well, as he's been all week. Not that he's not charming, he's always likeable, but he sort of loosened up and he was doing some jokes and um, he had the... Um, what was his best joke? He had joke? The, the press conference room in the palm of his hand, a bit like Dan Evans did last year, you know, really? not to quite the same unguarded extent, of course. But like it was, what? I don't know, he was asked... Um, si- it was Simon, in fact. Simon uh, had caught up with Freddie, or people are now calling him Fiddy, which I think is the Swedish... Um, abbreviation. Fida. So I'm so I'm now just confused about. Like, it feels a bit pretentious to call him Feeder or Fred. I'm going to go Freddy. I'm committing Do to Freddy. Um, he asked. He said, "Oh, I spoke to Freddy uh, just after the match, and he said you wouldn't be spending your prize money from this fortnight on a Ferrari. Is is that true?" And he sort of, I mean, it's not going to be funny delivering it second hand. Uh, Catherine Whitaker style. But he said, he said, uh, no. Mostly because I've got a Jaguar deal, though. <laughs> it's good being a tennis player, isn't it? <laughs> and then somebody else asked him at the end. They obviously had a, a particular angle. It was an American journalist, a particular angle that they were working on for their story. Um, and he said, uh, it was a really tenuous link question. He said, a lot of tennis players have, have come through Beverly Hills. You've come through Beverly, <laughs> Yorkshire. <laughs> what, what's Beverly, Yorkshire like? And he just goes... I don't think it's much like Beverly Hills. (laughs) And then he sort of gave us his life story about going to to Beverly Grammar School and well it was it was it was do you know what? It was it was really good and you could see and again a cliche, you could see what a wonderful experience he'd had these two weeks and you know, I asked him about, you know, if there was anything in particular he'd 
take home as having enjoyed and he said he'd really enjoyed the the um there being nobody in the players cafe feeling special because there was no yeah. one else in the players cafe well, you know we've, usually we've talked you, about that haven't we we have past. i mean there is this sudden drop off yeah. from from week 1 to week 2 it's and he particularly wouldn't have known about that. well exactly no, he got to the fourth round Julia. and there's still a bit of a buzz around at fourth round stage because m- most there's not many doubles matches been played there's a lot of doubles players around still um, you know 16 on each side men's and women's but suddenly after the fourth round there's this huge drop off and obviously by this stage it's really quiet mm. around the players area and i i liked that little bit of insight and it was he was just a bit less guarded than well, usual and, and Wade's it soft great. Now, isn't it and he can just reflect so good for him uh, he's, a, he's a good guy so we spoke about Simone Halep and Angelique Kerber I almost feel like I want to talk about it again because it was just <laughs> yeah, that know. good um, you know it was it was really uplifting what what I loved about it and before we get on to talk about Caroline Wozniacki what I loved about it walking around and just I didn't see the whole match whole final set but I was watching as much as I could is just how they were both going for it right at the end it was as though when Halep went a breakdown uh, and and Kerber was serving for the match and she had the match points Halep just it was like she just went oh screw this I'm going for yeah, it. it it was it was she was gnarly as hell and they both were but it was Halep that was just being a bit braver and a bit gutsier. I mean, Kerber was fighting for a life. She was scrapping around at the baseline, but she wasn't taking the risks. And Halep, I don't think, is a natural risk taker. So I really respected the way mm. she was trying to make things happen out there, even at match points down, even in the tightest situations. And there were some, there were some wayward, tight errors in there, and she still pushed through and kept going for it and kept trying to be gutsy. And I think that's what she... In fact, she, that's what she did say that on the court. She said that's what she was proud of. That's why yeah. she was going to allow herself to, to be proud of herself today because it, it's not like she wasn't tense and tight and feeling it and running that. through all of all of the other matches she's lost when she should have won. She needed that match win more than any other that she's had. And I mean, obviously, you could say that because she's in the final, but it's it's more that the number of matches she's she's lost from winning positions even over the last year against Contra at Wimbledon against Ostapenko the French Open final she just desperately needed to get a win in that sort of situation absolutely yeah and it, it really did get to the point where I I've said this already about one other match this week and I can't remember what it was it, whenever it was it feels like a thousand years ago mm. but it got to the point where I couldn't quite contemplate the thought of one of them losing it I just couldn't oh, no. I, I, just, I, do, I know what you mean there because I mean, and they're, I'm, they're and such admirable players yeah, aren't they? and partly why I referenced what Kerber had to say afterwards because I was so pleased that, that she was sort of reflective enough about the overall situation in that sort of what must have been a moment of real grief um, to, to be positive and to yeah. what sounds like be genuinely positive so yeah marginally Halep needed it more than Kerber yes. and I think that's probably what told Caroline Wozniacki will be her opponent we have this wonderful situation now where everything is on the line in this final two players that both it feels wrong that they're not Grand Slam champions well one of them will be and the world number one ranking could could shift as a result but that still feels like a footnote to me in the scheme of things because a slam will be the making of, of these two. I hope that they both win slams before they retire. I well, really who, do. Whoever doesn't win is going to be, for me, 
the best player ever on the WTA tour not to have won a Grand Slam title. I know there are other contenders, Elena Dementieva, Yelena um, Jankovic, Yelena Jankovic, but for me, that that will for sure be the case, yeah. whichever of them loses it, and that's going to be gut-wrenching. So I agree, they, whoever it is should still go on and win another Grand Slam title at some point. You've got uh, the potential record of if Wozniacki does retake the number one, she'll have the longest gap between periods at number one. That would be quite something. And she's yeah. still not that old. It's about seven years, isn't it? Eight years, I believe, yeah. yeah. And, um, uh, and and the, the head-to-head between the two is 4-2. I was quite surprised by this. 4-2 in the favour of Wozniacki. Quite surprised. Yeah, but they haven't played that much recently. I can't remember... Um, I haven't looked in detail at the head-to-head. I've just seen the headline numbers like you. I'll do more research on it tomorrow. But I can't... Can you remember many thrilling recent or, or any recent Wozniacki Hallett matches? I can't... Well, I think, I think they played it in Singapore, um, I, I, I think, because they were all drawn yes, together, the yeah, counter-punches. Yes, yeah, they must have. Yes, they um, did. But and, why and don't it, we remember that? Was well, it a I th- rubbish I think match? Simona Hallett had a really bad time during yeah, that tournament. She, she just She didn't really turn up um, during that tournament. And... Um, and that's what I'm, what's so pleasing is because she's an uplifting player to watch. And yet when she throws in a, an egg, like John McEnroe says... It's, it's actually laying an egg, right. David. Okay, well, when she lays an egg... If um, you're going to be American, do yeah. it properly. Um, it's, I find it really disheartening. I don't like to see quality tennis players, really talented tennis players, that have got so much to give and that are so uplifting for the crowd to watch... When they just don't do themselves justice, can't be doing with that. And uh, and today she was the complete antithesis of that. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And and the, I mean, and she really lapped up the crowd's appreciation for it as mm. well. And she could win a Grand Slam tournament as the world number one without a clothing sponsor. I know I keep coming back to this, and I know nobody seems to find it as extraordinary as I me. I quite enjoyed Ben Rothenberg's uh, uh, gif of uh, Julia oh. Roberts in Pretty Woman going into to, to the store that had rejected her before she yeah. was rich and just saying, big mistake. Yeah. Huge. Yeah. So you wanted to invest more in Gobini Muguruza, did you? I mean, I've... Nothing it, wrong with that in general, but I... Look I at, think there's you know, funds to go around. It's, it's I don't think I don't think Adidas choice. funds are spread that thinly. Is They're my not point? Exactly not exactly destitute. Not that Magrutha isn't a a worthy recipient of no. um, sponsorship funds, but it seems it to me bizarre. that yeah, it just seems completely bizarre. Wozniacki in her the story of her match with Elise Mertens, who played well, but Wozniacki was always in charge, is that she had what is so rare to see with Wozniacki, she had a real wobble when she was serving for the match. She lost her serve. She suddenly went two break points down, two set points down. So she was on the brink of victory, and she She forgot how to play up. tennis for, and, for and, a bit. She, and, well, she, lost, uh, she lost eight points in a row. Yeah. Was, yeah, she lost eight points in a row. She was uh, serving for the match, and she was at 30 love. And, she, and I love that afterwards, when she did the interview on court afterwards, she completely owned up to it all. She just said, I was there at 30 all. And I'm like, my legs are shaking. They don't, they don't do, usually <laughs> do that. I don't really know what to do about it. And, and it was just this wonderful open door into her soul of how much this meant to her. Similar Which you in don't the often get finals. with Caroline Wozniacki no. because there is, a, there is a wall up. She can be charming, but you never quite feel like you're seeing her. You do, I quite often feel like there's a slight... 
she can be charming with the glaze, but there is quite often the glaze. Um, so to actually see into to her and see a bit of vulnerability like that is is important. I, th- yeah. I think for us for us lot. Yeah. So I, I'm delighted for her that that she got over the line there. It was a similar situation when she was trying to serve it out at the WTA finals, and there was five break points and all that sort of thing. Can you imagine if they get to you know six all in the third on Saturday? <laughs> I hope they do. Who's going to blink really first? Do. It really could be an absolute thriller, couldn't it? And I think yeah. again it could come down to who's prepared to be more gutsy in the moment because Bozniaki as well, she tries to force herself to take the risks, but it doesn't come naturally to her. So, oh, can't wait. It's going to be, what, 35 degrees Saturday and 39 on Sunday (gasps) and worse, in fact, than the last heat wave we had because there's a lot more humidity for this one. And there's the thunderstorm that Catherine's been talking about. And tomorrow we've got the other men's semi-final. Chung against Federer. Yeah, it's a very it's a weird schedule here. I mean, it's it kind of works, doesn't it? But you have three semi-finals on one day, and you want to call it semi-finals day, but then you have this day tomorrow yeah. where you have the women's doubles final, which is Medenovic Babosh against Makarova Veznina, um, and then you have a night session with um, with the one remaining men's semi-final, which is Roger Federer against on Chung, and I think Roger Federer's got a match on his hands there, I really do. Are you predicting Roger Federer to lose? No, because I had him to win the tournament before the tournament, and that that argument panned out for me with Halep last night when I thought she could have a match on her hands. So I'm just going to stick to my guns, but um, give myself a get-out-of-jail-free jail, card by saying I really think on Chung is going to give him a right old go. Yeah, I do too. I think we were in for it. A treat. I can't wait. Right, we better go and get some some sleep in. Uh, you lot need to get some sleep in because you've got a bit of time before the next match between Vedder and Chung. And uh, so you can listen to this tennis podcast and then you can go and have a sleep. Catherine, lovely to have you with us. As always, Simon Briggs is off writing now. You can read all of his pieces. Catherine will be back on Eurosport tomorrow. Uh, what time does coverage start? Uh, well, we will be showing the um, women's doubles final if you want to watch that in the middle of the night. I think that's at 5 a.m. UK time, but we're back at 8 a.m. and with studio build-up to the Federer Chung semi-final uh, at 8.30, I think. Not confirmed, so don't quote me on it, but I think we're going to have Boris Becker Ooh, in our good. coverage tomorrow. Big Boris. Excellent. Big old Boris. And we will uh, be back on BBC Radio 5 Live Sports Extra with the conclusion, hopefully, of that but match. Please we'll also certainly don't be quote me on calling him Big Old Boris. Well, I've done it. And it's all right. Let's just tell him I did it. All right? It was meant affectionately. Boom, boom. There you go. Uh, and, uh, of course, we are uh, brought to you in association with The Telegraph, with Eurosport. We are executive produced by Melanie, Do- by Melanie Bowes, our champion of the Tennis Podcast Predictions Challenge, and by Triple and by tennisballs.com we are sponsored by La Manga Club uh, the wonderful holiday destination in Spain where you can play tennis golf you name it and Catherine and myself David Law we will be back with another tennis podcast after play tomorrow see you then Want flexibility? Take yoga. Want flexibility with your health insurance? Check out United Healthcare Insurance Plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly medical, dental, and vision coverage that may be right for you. More at uh1.com. 
Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.